This is Clint of the Geek Dig Podcast, and you are listening to the one and only BS Podcast Network. You're listening to the Magic Our Way Podcast with Kevin, Danny, Eli, and Lee. Oh, I love the way their foul little minds work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jumbo, everyone! Harambe! And welcome to another edition of... The Magic R-Way! Magic R-Way! Magic R-Way! Magic R-Way! The Magic R-Way Podcast! They are truly magical and whatnot. Sante Sun, everyone. You're listening to the Magic Army Podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are artistic buffs talking about Disney stuff, and this is the show in which every opinion is welcome. MagicArmy.com is where you can find us. Today, we are talking a little news, and we're exploring some 4D properties, guys. Specifically, Mickey's Philhar Magic. How about that? Looking for fun, guys. Look, my name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. And on the show, we follow the Disney concept of edutainment, where we focus on your entertainment. And along the way, you just might learn a thing or two. Hey, hey, hey. And as always, to join in our discussion, we have our resident comic genius from IvoryComics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. How you doing, sir? Doing great. I just woke up 30 minutes ago, so I'm very well and alive. How you guys doing? Good morning. <laughs> good morning. That's a dangerous way to drive, don't you? <laughs> but a good way to start the day. <laughs> And, of course, that voice you just heard is our resident travel agent from Magical Moments Vacations, the Shaggy T.A. Lee Lastavica. How you doing, Lee? Oh, man. Just, you know, living the dream over here. <laughs> living the dream? Yeah. The, the, the dream of the travel agent life. Just, oh, that, that yeah. travel agent life? That T.A. Yeah, life? Yeah, that dream. T.A. life? Dream. Booking lots of vacations, I guess? No, no. No, no not really. No? no? Well, maybe next week. Yeah. Maybe next year. Yeah, keep hopeful. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, look, we got a great show for you today. We got a couple of pieces of news that we're gonna gonna touch upon and discuss. Plus, we're introducing a new series, as it were, right, Danny? Yeah, a new series a on four uh, yes. D things that happen in the parks. We yes. want to tell listeners what's going on. What well, to expect? One of my favorite types of attractions is those four D movies. Magic, Bugs Life. Uh, I even liked Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Uh, uh, and uh, obviously, Muppet Vision 3D being my favorite. So I wanted to kind of take the time and go through and showcase three of them. I mean, since Honey, I Shrunk the Audience is no longer around, mm-hmm. uh, do Muppet Vision 3D, It's Tough to Be a Bug, and do... Um, what we're doing today, Mickey's Philhar Magic. Mickey's Philhar Magic, one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. So today we get Mickey's Philhar Magic. Today you get Mickey's Philhar Magic. The next time we do it, we're going to do It's Tough to Be a Bug. And the next time after that, we're going to close out with the best one, in my opinion, Muppet Vision 3D. Okay. All opinions are welcome. So guys, look, enough of my jibber-jabber. Let's go discuss some historical magic. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are in the queue, and this is the segment in which we get to discuss the news and the world of Disney today. Leading off this segment, uh, there's been an announcement that Primeval World and Rivers of Light will close permanently, along with uh, Stitch's Great Escape, which we already knew was on the chopping block anyway. Yes. So these are the three things that uh, people have been reporting, um, specifically pulling from Spectrum News 13 down in Florida. Uh, they're saying that uh, these attractions are slated to close 
Uh, even though, you know, Rivers of Light just went through a refurb-ish, I guess refurb of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, it's uh, Rivers of Light We Are One. And so according to the website and according to Disney's announcers, these things will not be returning at all. I was going to say anytime soon, but it's not going to be returning at all. So do these get turned into Tiana rides as well? Or? <laughs> Who knows? Everything is Tiana. Everything is Tiana. Say, Tiana town. I like it. <laughs> Tiana, Pocahontas. Uh, who else we got? Rivers of Tiana. <laughs> Rivers, of Rivers Tiana. of Tiana. Rivers of Gumbo. Mm-hmm. Swamps of Tiana. They can make it a swamp ride. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is that is that the overall theme? Because, I mean... You know, we talked about this stuff before. They kill one ride to make room for another one, but they just kill it all at ease. Well, if they had the money to do it, I'm sure we'd be seeing that. You get like Mulan's Great Escape or <laughs> Mulan's Great Escape. <laughs> Add a little bit more diversity to the parks and whatnot. But I, that's- Mulan's Great Escape. <laughs> yeah. From the Mongols. The pilgrims are coming. The pilgrims are coming. <laughs> pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> Run! <laughs> what if I land two by sea? I think you need to brush up on your history. Yeah, yes. probably, pretty much, but it's still fun to say that. Yeah, it yeah, is. This was back when there was Pangea, the big continent. Oh, so yeah. all that was possible. Yeah, anything was possible. Yes. That's all me. Is anybody crying over this? Like they were crying about Splash Mountain? No. Cry me a river of light. <laughs> I'm, I was celebrating when I saw Primeval World went down. I was so happy. And you know what? I was very happy about that. I think that they got to be doing that for uh, legal reasons. I'm sure they got a lot of whiplash uh, lawsuits over Primeval oh, World. Damn. Dude, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure somebody will tell me I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure some someone died on that ride. What? Yes. I'm pretty yeah, sure no like, it was like a maintenance person or, uh, or a oh, guest. Oh, you're right. Or, I think we right. covered that. Yeah. I think we did. There was some part of my brain that somehow recalls that. Wait, so. which one was that? Is that the one where like, somebody had something loose and then like while they were fixing it? Yes, the, I think that was what it was. The piece came over. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we yeah. did a show about like, you know, with the golf cart guy mm-hmm. and all the kind of... I think that was yeah. on that show. I forget exactly what episode that was. But yeah, no, I think I remember that. Oh, Dude. wow. Um, That's how horror movies start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Final Destination 8 starts. Exactly. Yeah. No, just I just looked it up. It was on March thirteenth, two thousand eleven. Oh wow! Oh wow! So my years. birthday. But you know, I I, I wow. appreciate Dizzy trying to incorporate that style ride, what they call a wild mouse roller coaster. But I think they could have done it better if they had just actually designed it themselves. That ride was painful. You know, I and that's the thing, Daddy. I, I go back to when you and I rode it mm-hmm. with these. I guess they were French or <laughs> French speaking people what? in the same car. So me and Danny, we're not exactly small. Oh, I'm not. No, I'm more wide. He's more tall. He's fun sized. Yes, I'm fun sized. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are quite fun. But then so. they threw two other people with us, and so me and Danny were just like sardines. And then, <laughs> of course, when we get to the part just before the uh, the, the lift hill, it just stops. Yeah. It just flat out stops. And so we're here to dance, and Danny's trying to get adjusted so we're not so uncomfortable, you know. Eventually, we had to put arms around each other and just kind of navigate it like that. Well, share that love. Share that love. <laughs> you know, and then the French people just like, oh, we know. <laughs> well, we want some love. You don't want some love. Uh-huh. Yeah, I yes, feel yeah. uh, out of place now. <laughs> I like the big one and the tall one. Yeah, it's, yes. it's all to go. But yeah, no, that okay. was a very uncomfortable ride. I, was, I think the only time I rode that, and I don't think I ever wanted to ride that again. Yeah, that's... That's why, because you were like, oh, I wouldn't ride that, and there was no line for it. I'm like, dude, that ride sucks. And you're like, oh, let's give it a shot. That's right. All right, let's do it. That was our very first podcast trip. Broke down in the sun. You're in the baking. sun. Yes, in you're the right. sun, we were just baking. Miserable. For like 15 minutes. And then finally I got it, and then the jerk fest began, and now you're getting all the weight shifted one way, and all the weight shifted. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Awful ride. Happy to see it go. Rivers of Light, uh, that's a little bit more surprising. 
Yeah, yeah. Given the fact that they just refurbed it to a whole different show, you know. I don't even know if I would say refurb. They kind of like cut the guts out of it. And Damn. Like just <laughs> lobotomized it. Yeah, they were like, yeah, we're gonna do it. Maybe, uh, maybe no performers on the boats no more. Huh? Yeah. I remember being at Narcuzzi's and we were having dinner, and we were talking about how we were going to uh, go see Rivers of Light the next day. And the guy leaned over the table, "Don't, damn, don't! It's a waste of time." I'm like, dude, really? It's like, yeah, dude, we win. It sucked, and and this was back before they even made the cuts. So yeah, no, it just it was never. I thought it was pretty, it, but it, yeah, and as in terms of when there's no fireworks to distract you while the. Boats are all getting into place. Yeah, and, it's kind of boring just to watch boats get together. We have that on the wharf, uh, pretty much right <laughs> on here the, on the on the on the river. Yeah, Old Man River. That's called uh, longshoremen getting together to work uh, over here. Bow chicka bow wow wow wow. So if there's no yeah, there's no fireworks that did fine. Yeah, that's two for two. I'm not missing it. Well, they just yeah. have the the tree show now at Animal Kingdom, and so I don't know if they're going to replace it. Or whatever. Yeah, I was more bummed about the Mary Poppins and and uh, Spaceship Earth redo kind of getting postponed. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much accepted at this point in time, although it hadn't been announced that that um that that festival structure over in Epcot is not going to happen. Because they've, they've already pulled the model of that out of the Odyssey, from wow. what I understand, unless it's back in there now. Rebudget the plans. <laughs> right. Well, which sucks because they ripped apart that whole area of the park to put it there. Yeah, and now they're like, we just have to reimagine how we're going to do this. They're going to outline it with planners. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It'll work That's out. That's easy fix. Easy fix. They'll yeah. roll in some planners and be done. Yeah, there you go. You want an observation deck? Here's a ladder. <laughs> Watch it from there. Hey, you know these there. people in New Orleans have this thing with ladders and you can sit on top of it with seats. That's what we're going to do. That's it. And so, well, Eli, uh, there's probably no love loss with this last one, but Stitch's Great Escape. I'm yeah, sure you're no, not going to miss the, yeah. the chili dog breath, which you've said numerous times on the show. Yes, Kevin, thank you. Uh, can pretty, you smell it? You, you can smell I it? I do not want back. to smell it, but I can still, you know, it's in the recourse of my mind. It's like a bad fart. As opposed to a good fart. Yeah, well, you know, a good <laughs> fart, it, it goes away really ah, quick. Yeah, but uh, this one with the, yeah, the hot dog burp, yeah, that still stings. Like, I'm fine letting that go. Bring back Alien Encounter. I'm totally cool with that. <sighs> I thought it was the better of the two, but, you know, yeah, people mm. complain about that, too. That's the thing. Yeah. Whatever goes in there is going to be safe. I don't know. Maybe the fans just want more thrills and chills and not burps. Happy things. Well, I would agree with you, but they have no money. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, there's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's that factor. You got Disney World open right now. They may close again at any point in time. Disneyland, there's no opening date in sight there. The cruises aren't eligible to book until, like, what? September? Lee? Hong Kong closed again. Hong Kong closed again. There's yep. talks that uh, Disney might end up selling their parks in Shanghai and Hong Kong just to be done with that situation because apparently that relationship is so strained. Um, Artemis Fowl yeah. sucked. Uh, you know, it hadn't been good for them. They're, they're bleeding money right now. Black Widow's pushback. Um, Jungle Cruise got pushed back. I mean, that used to be the good thing. It's like, okay, so-and-so's closing. Cool. Oh, so let's imagine what's going to... blue sky. Right. You can't even do that right now. There's no <laughs> sky. There's no skying. <laughs> I have blue sky a budget. It's, it's gray sky imagineer. It's going to be some weird peddler from New York doing card tricks. You know, guess which one the jack is at. Three card money. That's yeah. going to be our new segment here on the Magic Our Way podcast is gray sky imagineering. <laughs> what is Stitch's great escape going to be? A janitor's closet. <laughs> 
Storage! <laughs> yeah. The most awesome bathroom ever. <laughs> the, the world's biggest relaxation station. The place where they store pee dots. Cast that. member break room. Yeah, yeah it is. Dude, I mean, that's going to be our new segment going forward. Gray Sky Imagineers. Yeah, I mean, they even transformed uh, the Pirates League into a cast member break room now. So, Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> League of Cast so Members. Make, making use of the space, I guess. Okay. Well, there you go. Guys, uh, let us know what you think about these rides closing. If there's anything that you feel passionately about, uh, you feel sad that it's going away, please let us know. Be curious to know what your thoughts are. Get in touch with us. Show at magicarway.com. And the second and final article for today's queue is, it's from Esquire magazine, so Esquire.com. And the name of the article is, The Best Bars in America 2020. 27 drinking experiences to be had when we really need them. Okay. We could use them now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> one of the bars that they threw in there is near and dear to this show. <laughs> oh, please do tell. It's um, located in a galaxy far, far away <laughs> and goes by the name of Oga's Cantina. Oga's. Oga's mm. Cantina made Esquire's top, what, 20? Just 27. 27 now, is number 27. I don't know. If, I don't think they numbered it. Uh, they just put... Uh, listed 27 bars but uh just to kind of give you an idea of how they classify their bars uh, this is what the author of the article has to say hmm. so my canned answer to what makes a bar an esquire best bar a place you just can't wait to experience again that's still my answer except now i really mean it whether they're open or not so open we hope you'll fall in love with this year's best bars oh and the guy gives his name kevin sin I probably butchered it, but uh, that's what he uh, classifies. That's how they come up with their list. And Oga's Cantina is on that list. Based upon a place yeah. that you can't wait to go back. I could not disagree with that more. Yeah, that's what it's based on. It's not based on the drinks. It's not right. based on the atmosphere. It's not based on blue chicks running around. Nothing like that. That's how they came up with their list. That's, that's a quote here straight from the article from good old Kevin, not me. That's how they base their Esquire list. You want to go back there again and again. No. I don't. Well, at least not how it's set up now. I mean, if we, I think, and we, we probably mentioned this past shows, if we had a chance to actually relax and hang out and not have this two drink minimum, be able to sit where we want to sit. Sit and just period would be optimal. Yeah. <laughs> I like to sit at a bar. That's kind of my thing. I mean, yeah, and, well, and the music, and you know, the music's okay, but it doesn't get old. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for those that, that like that stuff. I'm not. Yeah. I can't say I want to hear that 24-7 while no. I'm sitting there in the bar drinking. You don't want like a robotic version of Teddy Ruxpin just putting out the jams for you? No. I don't, I don't want Teddy Ruxpin putting out, period. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Teddy Ruxpin put out, that means that's a whole line of Furbies to deal with. I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> I love you, Eli. <laughs> Come play with Where me. Where can I have some orange juice? <laughs> No, uh, I, I could have given it some validity if he was going to say that, okay, you, you've got to try these drinks. They're so unique. This is the only place that you'll ever be able to try these drinks. But once you've had them, they're overly citrusy. You could barely taste any alcohol. You'll go broke long before you get buzzed. And there's no place to sit. So the novelty wears off very, very quickly. Yes. And you're kind of like, all right, check that off. Don't need to do that again until they install seats. No, that. It's not even one of the 20 best bars in Disney. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. I, I, I would much rather hang out, and I think I mentioned this in our group, our Facebook group, that I'd much rather hang out at Trader Sam's. Oh, for sure. I could actually open and close Trader Sam's yep. than hang out at Oga's. You know? We have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it, the Enchanted Rose? Is that what it, the, Enchanted the Rose, Beauty yeah. and the Beast place is? That place is gorgeous. I, I, 
love that place. Oh, the uh, the the lounge over in um, Grand California. Grand California. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, that lounge is great. I love that place. What about the bar. Oh God, the one in uh, Disney Springs. The big bar. Oh, Jack. Um, Jack Lindsay's. Yeah. Oh, Jack Lindsay's. That's yes. another really good Perfect. one. Perfect. That has atmosphere to it. It's a place you could chill. Right. Mm-hmm. A bar is supposed to be an experience. A relaxing experience. Yes. Yeah. I think what has to happen, in my personal opinion, is that they need to talk to uh, Mr. Tafford from uh, Bar Rescue. <laughs> bar. <laughs> oh, is that a TV show? Yeah, that's yeah. He does. Oh, yeah, I've never seen that. I know okay. what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, the yeah. guy comes in, he yells at all the bartenders and everybody about how they're doing stuff, and he would totally renovate Ogre's Cantina properly so that it would be a more accepting place for a bar patron. He'd be yelling at Ogre, and Ogre's like, That's not good enough! <laughs> what are you saying? I don't understand you! Put the bar over here! That's what we want! It sounds like the uh, Gordon Ramsay of bars. Is that what they're That's exactly is? what. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. Or like restaurant rescue or restaurant, restaurant yeah, impossible. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But uh, look, I remember specifically one experience when we went there. I was like, the people that had, there was like a big old row of cushioned seats and the people left. And I remember I went to our bartender. The brother wasn't too cool. I thought brother, the brother... We working. No, out. he wasn't playing. He, he was really good. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't cool at all. You know, it was like, well, where's Ogre? I don't know. She's on a smoke break on another planet. Like he just did not. Yeah. Right. He did not fulfill. No, all he said was Ogre's not here. Yeah, there was no fantasy. There was no, you know. No, oh, wow, I'm in no, another no. place. Ogre no here. No. <laughs> this is he not the here. bartender you were looking for. Exactly. She's with Mouse mm-hmm. Keeping. <laughs> this is not the bar you want to stay here because you want to have a <laughs> Right. We have to turn around all these people so we can keep at the seat. Standing up at a bar is awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who wants to stand up at a bar? Like, uh, and, that, and that's the thing. I was like, "Hey, sir." Especially after walking for four miles. Exactly. No, not and even that. Lied for exactly. like forty-five Thank minutes you. at least. At Stand, least. Yeah, at least. And it, and then there was a bunch of seats, and I remember being like, "Hey, dude, like, can we sit there?" And the dude was like, "No, that's reserved for people." Like. Okay, I'm like, where's the maitre d' here at Olga's Cantina, where you can have a reservation to choose to stand at a bar or sit down? Because I want to talk to that maitre d' and say, hey, me and my boys want to sit. You're going to slip them some credits? Like, yeah, hey, you know, I'd have slipped them like some portion. piece of Millennium Falcon or something, you know what I'm saying? I did piece that. Piece of Millennium Falcon. <laughs> dice. Sir, did you break this off of our prop? <laughs> like, no, no, sir, I did not. I saved the kid who they had, a, the Stormtroopers had a bounty on, and we saved her. And that's a true story. But I, I think we would all agree if the experience changed. Yes. We probably may consider this as part of the list. Yeah, if they made it bigger and they put in more yes. seats and they made the drinks a little bit more affordable, and if it wasn't just a big souvenir mug scam, yeah. sure, yeah. And yeah. it was more entertaining if it felt like you were in Star Wars and it was like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the cast member sold it and stuff. Chicks yeah. were dancing, you know what I'm saying? Like chicks were dancing with the, you know, like like out there at Jabba's Palace or something. Man, like, don't come exactly, you know what I'm saying? Like something was happening where it's like this ain't a typical bar. Like yeah. this is surreal like yeah i'd be all over that would, that. that would be pretty cool actually yeah right i got a feeling that maybe this list was the 27 best bars that also allow 12 year olds in <laughs> that's a fair critique maybe that's- maybe that is uh maybe that's you know of, of all the bars that let 12 year olds in this is probably one of the better ones uh, you know what you know? that's that's not bad although uh, once again my kid as soon as we got in there what do you mean we can't sit down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
a smart kid. And then somebody it. like, it's like, I want a Coke. Oh, you don't want to get Coke. Here, I'm going to make you something. Okay. And they have boba balls floating in it and it's yeah. bubbling. And she's looking at me like, uh-huh. I just want a Coke. <laughs> right. You can't, can't get some chicken nuggets. <laughs> you know what? Screw it, guys. Let's put it together. Our favorite bars at Disney. Oh, we could do that easily. Yeah, yeah, let's do that for a future show, and we'll say, Esquire, this is how you do a bar. But yeah, uh, you know, we're in New Orleans. We know a little something about bars uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. As, as one of our listeners, uh, Harry, uh, mentioned, that there's probably 20 bars here in New Orleans that trumps that. So uh, yeah, so maybe a future show, guys, we're going to put together our list of our favorite bars at Walt Disney's Experience, and we can tell you why. And it's more than just what they're basing their list on. I can tell you that. I bet you that guy got a booth or something. That's why. That's probably why. Wow, this yeah, is yeah. awesome. All my drinks are comp. He didn't have a drink limit or anything. Yeah, it was yeah. Great. I bet you Esquire. Like, hey, Disney, we're writing an article. Yeah, sure. They hooked him up with a booth. Yep. All the drinks he could have. This is the best ever. But guys, look. Let us know what you think about that being on their list of twenty-seven bars for twenty twenty. Uh, do you agree with it or do you not? We'd love to know why. Uh, what the reasoning is for your decision. Uh, show at magicarway.com. Let us know. Weekends, ladies and gentlemen, here we are in the hub, and this is the main segment portion of our show. And today we're starting a series of shows, a historical series of shows regarding 4D attractions. And I believe my man Danny over here is going to lead off with one of my favorite 4D attractions. And that is Mickey's Filler Magic Mine right too. there in Fantasyland. This yes, that's is, right. Yours too because of the duck butt. Yes. This yes. is both of y'all's favorite? This is, well, I know it definitely is my favorite. One, oh, one wow. Of, it's a definite must-see for when I'm in, Disney, in oh, no Magic Kingdom. I, I got to see this uh, attraction because I, I just love it. I mean, I'm a music guy, but still, it's, just, yeah. it's a lot of fun for me. You know, my kids like it because there's a lot of relatable characters that they know flying all over the screen. And there's duck butt. <laughs> well, it's one of those attractions that when it's a, a busy day. And you just can't get on anything. You know, like your kids, like you, you can make them stand in line for about an hour and a half and that's just not going to go too well. Or you can be like, let's hit up Phil Magic, Let's hit up Country Bears. Let's hit up, I mean, Muppet Vision's a walk-in. Uh, what's the other one? Bugs Life is Bugs a walk-in. Life, yeah. There's attractions that you can do where you can kind of just stay away from those crowded rides and still give your kids a great day in the park. Yeah, yeah. And you know what the funny thing about those is like, I remember having to wait in long lines for those. But now for some reason, I guess because of Fast Pass Plus, it's yeah. like, you know, I can get in line, and it's like, oh, I didn't make this show. It's like, oh, I'll make the next one for sure. Uh, absolutely. And, and you don't mind the wait so much. No. You know, and it's just, you know, you can get on these. They're crowd gobblers. They're going to eat a lot of people. You ha- you guarantee the seat. It's air conditioned. You're going to mm-hmm. get a little water well on your face because it's 4D and a little air blowing, so you're going to cool <laughs> off a little bit, in the, you know, especially now in the summer and stuff. Oh, that's good. So, uh, Danny, if I'm not mistaken, you're going to delve into some of the history of this place, or each one of those places, yeah? Yeah, the making of, if you will. I'm not going to go too much into the actual show itself, just because we all know it. I mean, it's yeah, not... you can find it online and everything else. Right, yeah. I mean, why listen to me describe it when you can just watch it and it's so much better? But uh, anyway, um, so Mickey's Philhar Magic is an attraction that appears at uh, the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. That is where where it started that is where it debuted uh at the fantasy land concert hall it started showing not too long back over in disney's california adventure over at the sunset uh showcase theater then hong kong disneyland has it tokyo disneyland has it and disneyland paris shows it at the discovery land theater hmm. so this is an attraction that's in a lot of different parks it debuted in 2003 at the magic kingdom in florida as i said but the real story of it starts Back 
at Disney's California Adventure. Okay. Cool. On a rooftop of a deluxe resort on opening day. Well, there's a way that was, they found a duck butt there. <laughs> no. On a rooftop of, of a deluxe resort. Of a deluxe resort on the opening, opening day, day of Disney's California Adventure. That is when the story of Mickey's PhilharMagic really? begins. That's what it unfolds. So Back is, in, is this deluxe resort uh, Grand Californian? It is the Grand California. Oh, kind of okay. jumping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell the story. It's like I'm building atmosphere, Kevin. I'm building suspense. I want y'all to be guessing. I just had to pop. I know. Don't pop yet. You I had to let it out. Pop. I can't. Clutch the pop. <laughs> okay. So it was on that day that uh, Tom Fitzgerald, who was the executive vice president and senior creative executive for Walt Disney Imagineering, suggested that the Imagineers should think about doing another Mickey show in the very same theater that once housed the Mickey Mouse Review. Uh, so before we get into how Mickey's PhilharMagic came to be now, let's just take a moment to look back at the Mickey Mouse Review and examine just why it is that Imagineering felt that this attraction was worth recreating. All right, so I'm just going to get into it briefly. Kevin, you were there uh, right around when Mickey When Ma- Tom Fitzgerald was up on the roof? Yes, you were there. I mean, yeah, I was Tell us cuck- all what happened. I was, yeah. a, I was in the cuckold in the corner for that whole conversation. <laughs> yes. I just, uh, I remember nothing because I just let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> My brain just went with it. it just- Do you remember being in Disney World when Mickey Mouse Review was playing? Yes. I do too. Yes, I do. I barely remembered. I, I just—I was just about to say that. I remember pieces of it. I, I was so young then. It's like I, I for, it's one of those things. It's like oh, I want to ride the ride. I don't want to see a show. Mm-hmm. So we go see the show, and I, you know, me being just so stubborn, just didn't pay attention to anything. I remember being like, oh, they're all here. Yeah. This is where yeah. they all are. Like, I, I, it blew my mind when I remember. That was a saving grace for me. I was like, oh, okay, the coolest character. <laughs> but it still wasn't like ah, oh, you know, because back then I was like all about the rides and stuff. It's like it wasn't. If it wasn't a ride, it wasn't a. An attraction. You were a thrill seeker. You know, I didn't. I didn't appreciate it as much as I do then. I wish I would have. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, I I'm, I remember it. <laughs> so okay. it was kind of losing popularity or something at no, this point. No, no, wasn't losing popularity at all. I mean, actually, we'll get into it. We'll get into yeah. it. All right, yeah. So let, let's let's touch on this. So the Mickey Mouse Review was one of the original opening day attractions at Walt Disney World in 1971. It was an audio animatronic stage show, as we just uh, said, that played at the Fantasyland Concert Hall where. I want to say all in all, there was like 81 Disney characters in total in this attraction. Mm-hmm. So this was like their WrestleMania for Disney characters. It was at the time. Yes. At the time. Yes. At the time. Yeah. It was a place where you could legit go sit down and see just about all your favorites. Now, this is before Disney's golden age of animation or silver age. I'm sorry. This was before Ariel and the Lion King and all that stuff came along. This We're talking about the classic Disney movies at the time. But anyway... The idea for the Mickey Mouse Review, coincidentally enough, originated with Walt Disney himself. Makes sense. In 1962, Walt said that he was planning an attraction for Disneyland that featured, quote, all of the Disney characters so everyone can see them. I have in mind a theater, and the figures will not only put on the show, but be sitting in the boxes with the visitors heckling. Ah, Sounds nice. a little bit like Muppet Vision 3D, too, yeah, it doesn't does. it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Interaction is important. So with those kind of sentiments, you can see why it would only be a matter of time before Imagineering got to work on a project that followed along with what Walt said he wanted to do. So the main Imagineer was Bill Justice. Uh, John Hinch and Blaine Gibson uh, were also involved with this, but Bill had a long and illustrious career with Disney. He was a primary uh, animator of, of uh, Chip and Dale. 
Hmm. And he experimented in stop motion animation for Babes in Toyland and designed the character costumes at Disneyland. And lastly, was one of the original audio animatronics programmers of Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland. Oh, wow. So according to Justice, uh, and I quote, uh, Wed had designed some imaginative shows for the parks, but we seem to be getting away from our heritage. Pirates of the Caribbean was a big hit, but what did it have to do with Disney? What we needed was a reminder of what Walt had accomplished. I pulled out a sheet of paper and got to work. Mickey Mouse would have to be the main figure, yet some mention must be made to all of our great animated classics. That makes sense. So, oh, wow. to the people that brought you there. Yeah. So look at this. This is putting IP into the park right there. Synergy. Yes. <laughs> <That's- laughs> Synergy. Uh, the show he had in mind uh, was going to be like, uh, not, I'll just quote him. Mickey Mouse would lead an orchestra of studio characters through a medley of Disney tunes. Then, on the sides of the stage and behind the orchestra, scenes from our most popular animated features would appear one by one. Mickey and his orchestra would then close out the performance. Roy O. Disney, Walt's brother, looked the model over, then paid me the best compliment I had ever had in my career. This is the kind of show we should spend our money on, and that's how the Mickey Mouse Review was born. That is awesome. Out of Walt's idea with Roy's approval. Isn't that poetic? We should spend our money on this, though. Like, I, I thought he was going to say something like, you know what? This show warms my heart on the inside. Like, I spend money on that. That works. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That's well, Roy was, that was his job. He was the money guy. Well, what was the heart and the idea guy? I'm just saying. That, that's business. I get that. It was I all was, dollars and cents. Like, I, I would pay for that. Like, you know, I've said that plenty of times, but never for a Mickey Mouse review. But that's a different story. Go ahead, sir. All right. So let's get to the performance real quick. All right. Okay. So. Yeah, have Mickey, of course, he's uh, leading the orchestra. He's a conductor. Pops up from the stage, yeah. Minnie Mouse played the violin. Daisy played the cello. Pluto played the cymbals. Goofy played the bass viola. Scrooge McDuck played the ukulele. Huey, Dewey, and Louie played trumpets. Winnie the Pooh played the kazoo. That that rhymed. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh played the kazoo. (laughs) (laughs) Piglet played the harmonica. Rabbit played the slide whistle. Baloo played the flute. King Louie did percussion. Wow. Ka played his own tail like a flute. Dumbo and Timothy Mouse played the tuba. Gus and Jack, uh, you know, the mice from Cinderella, played the trombone. The Mad Hatter and the March Hare played the bass clarinet, while uh, the Dormouse would just pop out every once in a while. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> then Abner, the country mouse, played saxophone, while Monty, the city mouse, played clarinet, which was another Disney short. Yes. I was going to say, no, it's more for Kevin. So, Kevin, you're a musician. How tough is it for animals to play all those different instruments? Uh, not really. With the right training and discipline, you can make animals do whatever they want. They got extra hands and feet. Like, I figured they're just ambidextrous. Yeah. Like, you know. Got to give them the right sized instrument and they're totally It's fine. all about the inspiration. That's I, the key right I, there. I, I still can't wrap my head around Blue playing the flute. I was thinking about the percussion Blue part. played the flute. The cop played the <laughs> The poo played the kazoo. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen how that animatronic looked. Oh, we can pull up some pictures of yeah, it. I mean, this yeah. is more than enough. You can watch the yeah, video of it online. Because I'm like, are they playing with their toes as well as their hands? No, they're playing it like normal humans. Yeah, well, I, remember, I mean, yeah. And, uh, like in some instances, like you know, like with Dumbo, he has no arms, so Timothy's helping him while he's still blo- he's blowing on the what was it, the tuba? Yeah, the tuba, yeah. interesting. Yeah, who who are the percussion guys again? The percussion, I believe, was King Louis. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm like, okay, so he—that's what I was saying. Like, he—he could—he could get down with. Yeah, he was doing the xylophone, drums, yeah, Yeah, because he's got the feet. 
and the hands. He maybe put a uh, drumstick in his mouth. Well, now that's, uh, slow down, slow down. I mean, this is like before Chuck E. Cheese showbiz robots. I wasn't so you, born in so <laughs> These are kind of simple animatronics. <laughs> I mean, they look cool and they blinked and they did things, but and you can hear it. Yeah, my body just raced too far. Like the the old the old animatronics with the hydraulics. I like that. that. That's a good beat you got going there. So regardless Kay. of what song they played, you heard. <laughs> well, now if you played it loud enough, you covered up all the hissing and the popping and the clicking. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, Royal is right. Is right. Yeah, I would pay money for that. I'm with that. There okay, you go. go you go. What do you all got? Right, so let's get to the song list. All yes, right. Yes. This pretty much goes through what you would have heard. So first, there's an overture, and it's a little mix of hi-ho, whistle while you work, wish upon a star, hi diddly D. Then you go into the actual scenes themselves. And as you go into scenes, then you cut to a different animatronic or shows. Scenes like uh, if you, you, you cut to hit, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf, mm. and you'll see like a silhouette of the Big Bad Wolf, I believe, but the, the three little pigs are there in animatronic form. And then you'll see Snow White in animatronic form doing I'm Wishing, the silly song with the seven dwarves saying Snow White, uh, All in the Golden Afternoon with Alice in the Flowers, and again, big animatronic stuff, the three caballeros with Donald Duck, Jose Carioca, and Panchito Pistoles, who's always yes. my favorite. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo was performed by the fairy godmother with Cinderella there. Uh, so this is Love with Cinderella and Prince Charming, and that was just like animated silhouettes. That that one you didn't see animatronics on. Interesting. Then uh, th- this was one of my favorites. You saw Zippity Doodah performed by Brer Rabbit, Brer Fox, and Brer Bear. Twenty years prior to them singing it, when Splash Mountain finally that's right. opened I mean, in yeah, the right. Magic that Kingdom, again, but yeah, that's some good history to mm-hmm. share with the people. Yeah, and that's something. So uh, later on, the whole cast, of course, joins in the Zippity Doodah because it's such a great song, and then they close it out with the Mickey Mouse Club alma mater, and the whole cast it, it appears for that, and you even see the pigs and the you know the dwarves and everything like that from the prior performances. It's one big show ensemble. Up. One big ensemble. Yeah, kind of like what they did with Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit. That yeah. show. Yeah, Kitchen Cabaret. But during that time, to be able to say, hey, look, here are all our made people and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Here you go. Check them out. That's a very good sense of branding. That's so, it. Yeah. yeah. If you weren't lucky enough to spot them in the park and get an autograph and a picture, you can see them right here. That's it. Get the dreams going. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, w- something worth uh, noting here is that none of the voices in the show were from the original soundtracks of any of the uh, classic Disney movies. Interesting. I don't know if it was like legal reasons or, uh, you know, they, they would have to compensate the performers of those songs in some kind of a way. Um, I don't know. But what in the contract? Yeah. These these uh, songs that you were hearing were all new recordings. No, that's cool. I wonder yeah. if they did a better version than what you had previously heard. I mean, you, you can't comment on that, but I'm yeah. Well, they probably did a version where they can go one and right into the other seamlessly okay. and keep the continuity of the show going. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's right. good for them. Good. That's, that's cool. They jamming over there. Now, in my head, I'm going to have to go look and look for that soundtrack now mm-hmm. and check it out. Now, the Mickey Mouse Review eventually did close on September 14th, 1980. Uh, a couple of reasons why the attraction got removed to Florida. One of the main reasons was capacity. <laughs> a very big mistake was made in the construction of the Fantasyland Theater because when the Imagineers built the theater, it was built to seat just over 500 people. Hmm. However, according to Bill Justice, quote, as the show's theater in the Magic Kingdom of Walt Disney World was being constructed, Someone came up with the idea of having a pre-show. They designed an area just outside the main theater where guests could watch a film on Mickey while waiting to enter. Good idea, except there was a glitch. The theater seated 504 people. 
but the space available for the pre-show could only accommodate 300. That's a problem. Oh. Unfortunately, <laughs> there was no time to make further changes to the theater. You just screwed 200 people? Right. So at best, the attraction was running at 60% capacity, and this was for like an e-ticket attraction, which is why it was ultimately downgraded to a D-ticket attraction <laughs> in 1973 because it always looked half full. I bet those people that missed out oh. those 200 people, they gave it a D. That was the grade. And for Disney, this was a learning experience. I, I would pay money on that. Jeez. I wouldn't pay money on that. <laughs> the second reason it closed is because representatives of the Oriental Land Company were touring Walt Disney World in the 70s to choose attractions which would make up their new Tokyo Disneyland oh, Park. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. For whatever reason, they just weren't into the whole idea of creating new attractions. They just wanted what worked here stateside. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they went around the park looking around and decided, I, I want this one. I want that one to Jungle Cruise. I want this. They singled out the Mickey Mouse review that made their list, and and I think ultimately what happened was Disney decided to kill two birds with one stone, and not only would shipping out this version be cheaper than having to make a brand new version for Tokyo, but it would also help solve the capacity issues that they were having at the theater. Interesting. Or Bill Justice put it best when he said, the Mickey Mouse review was always very popular. It came as a shock when I was told my pride and joy was being moved to Tokyo Disneyland. Why? Because it never played to full capacity. Of course not. How can you fill 504 seats with 300 people? Management. <laughs> Man? And he yeah. just explains. I love that quote. Management. Management. <laughs> Management. That would have been perfect for the uh, current situation we're in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. Right. He's like, I was just ahead of my time. <laughs> exactly. I knew what was going on. We just didn't need masks back then. Yeah. However, the Mickey Mouse review lived on. It, it, it moved to Tokyo Disneyland where it became part of the original opening day attraction for Tokyo Disneyland in 1983. And it played there until May of 2009 when it was replaced by, guesses? Uh, 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 Magic Journeys. No. Really? Tokyo Disneyland. Oh, to- I'm sorry. Tokyo Disneyland. In 2009, May of 2009, what replaced Mickey Mouse Review? Best guess. Mickey's uh, Filler Magic. There you Magic go. Yeah. That's exactly sorry, it. Sorry, I was thinking Magic I Kingdom. I was going to let you do that because you're the host, but I was like, well, he's <laughs> talking about it. So I, no, I, was, I, was, I was still thinking Magic Kingdom. I uh, I miss the Tokyo part. Yeah, I won't overstep my bounds and stuff, but I would pay money for that. I think I have paid money <laughs> for that. I'd still pay money to go to Japan and see all that. The good news is is that you don't have to go to Japan to see these figures, though, because a lot of them have matriculated their way back to the States. That's oh, awesome. they came yes. home. That's they good. Did. That's awesome. Good. Share the brand. So duplicates of Alice, the Mad Hatter, and the March Hare animatronics were used in the updated Alice in Wonderland ride at Disneyland when it reopened in 1984. Nice. So you can still see those animatronics there. Good. The molds used to create the Seven Dwarfs in the Mickey Mouse Review were used to create the Seven Dwarfs animatronics in Walt Disney World's Snow White Scary Adventures. Okay. No kidding. Yes. And those went on to be found in the cottage at the end of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Mine Train train. Ride. So those can still be seen to this day as well. The Three Caballeros. The animatronic set of the Three Caballeros can now be found in the finale of the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the three really? Caballeros. Yes. That's them? When you come to the end of the tour, that's the exact oh. animatronics that you uh, see. No, I like that ride. One of my favorite stories is that uh, Tony Baxter, you know, mm-hmm. the imaginary Tony Baxter, took Big the mold. Yeah. He took the mold for the character of Alice, made a lightweight fiberglass model, and painted it up to look like Tinkerbell. He then installed like... <laughs> equipment inside of it so that it would operate like a radio remote control helicopter it was like it, a drone he made a drone before yes there was a drone he was making a drone before there was a drone and he, and he designed it so it could fly down main street during the parade really quick so is he saying that all blondes look alike <laughs> i don't know if he's saying well, I that think, i think I the think, facial mold yeah maybe, uh, I think the yeah cheeks. facial molds. I'm yeah, with the that. cheeks yeah, yeah cheeks. All, it's all about the cheeks cheeks 
keep cheeking. A successful test of it was done in the parking lot, but they ultimately abandoned his vision of drones before they were drones over the fear that this 12-pound figure might malfunction and drop on a guest. Ah, uh, that's fair. That's a fair <laughs> critique. But they could have put a net or something like over the buildings or something. That's a good idea. Yeah, to be fair, that's their main concern with using drones in the park. Exactly. Yeah. The concern has not changed yeah, at all. Yeah, the concern has not changed at all. Yeah. Even at the end, uh, like so when you go through the Film Magic gift shop, there's a, a figure of Mickey there that I swear... To me, it looks like an ode to the animatronic Mickey that used oh, to be. Oh, the, the black and white top yeah, hat thing. Yeah, the conductor's thing. Yeah. He's got the sorcerer's hat on, which you didn't yes. see. In the, yeah, but I mean, that the style of it looks uh, very uh, similar. Reminiscent. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. So after the Mickey Mouse review closed, essentially the Fantasyland Concert Hall sat vacant for like seven years. Um, I, remember, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, Disney would show animated cartoons and films for the cast members, but no new attraction opened in the Fantasyland Theater until 1987. And, uh, Kevin, what was that attraction? I think you said it before. Yes, Magic Journey. Magic Journey. Because it got ousted by its original home over in Epcot. By? <laughs> what? Captain EO kicked Magic Journeys. Magic Journeys. <laughs> It was a 3D film that used to play yes. in the Magic Eye Theater in the Imagination Pavilion. Yep. And then they opened up Captain EO and they're like, well, you got to go. And they were like, well, well, let's just open it here at this 3D theater. Damn, that's cool. Yeah. Boot out Michael Jackson? Wait, not, not, not boot out. Michael said, I'm taking the space, Magic Journeys. And you right. said, beat it. You beat can, it. <laughs> yeah. You said you can make memories somewhere else. I'm bad. Okay. It was paired with the 1953 Donald Duck short, uh, Working for Peanuts, which was remastered for 3D. Way better than Working Penub. Way better than Working Penub. Absolutely. Wookie Penub. Kevin, do you remember Magic Journey? I vividly remember Magic Journey. Okay, can you explain? Like, they describe it as, you know, Magic Journey is looking at uh, the world through the eyes of a child, but to me, it's a little bit out there do you want to try and explain what magic journeys was uh, i'll put it this way if you were high as a kite mm-hmm. that would have been fantastic <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like high or was like tripping. no i'm talking tripping high whatever you want to put in your body that show would have been awesome it didn't appeal to me as a young one but it stuck out of my head because that's something we would watch every freaking time i don't know why but the song stuck in my head. The pre-show, which was great, Making Memories yeah. by Kodak, was awesome. Well, the song and, was done by the Sherman Brothers, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it was just a trippy show, man. It At was. one point, it's 3D, and then you see this kid flying over some kind of field. You see his feet in your face and stuff. It's the craziest thing. It was like, it's as if they were testing technology with the show. It's dude, I don't know how to explain it. I, I That's the, the trouble I'm having, like... I read the description. It kind of was like, okay, it's a simplistic version of my memory of it, which is this trippy. It was like, yeah, it's through the eyes of a child. If that child was on acid, uh, because yeah. like, if you watch it, like it starts with children running through a meadow and yes. then they just start seeing shit. and like a kite turns into a bird, which turns into a fish, then to a Pegasus. What? Uh, it becomes a merry-go-round. <laughs> no, it and it like, was like a, that. There was a witch and a sphinx and a lion yeah. and you're in a circus. It was crazy. Now, when you look into the background of the individual who made this film, things start to make a little bit more sense, though. Oh, okay. I want to know this. Did he do the pink elephant scene also? No, 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 no. Even even more trippy. This film was made by a gentleman named Murray Lerner, who is uh, described as an, quote, experimental film director and producer. And when you check out his resume, he did a lot of films on different musical festivals featuring 
popular bands during the 60s like The Doors. I could see that. Jimi yeah. Hendrix, Bob Dylan, Jethro Tull, The Who. That makes sense. So his experience uh, probably uh, involves some mind-altering substances. Magic through the other side. That was probably a plus for this line of work. Yeah, so yeah, if that. I was old enough to have been on a, a substance, that thing probably would have been awesome. Uh, that's exactly oh, it. Or you had a, a bad relapse or a bad flashback. A bad trip. Yeah, a bad trip. You know? God, oh, wow. that song just sticks in my... It's still in my head. But uh, it played at the theater for six years before closing in December of 1993, and the theater was just completely gutted at that point in time in preparation for The Legend of the Lion King. Yeah, the stage version, yes. That's right. Wow, this thing's gone through... Okay. Yeah. This is a lot. Okay. In the Magic Kingdom of Florida, yeah, it's been through a bunch of different little iterations. Holy crap. Okay. So this attraction opened on July 8th, 1994, a mere two weeks after Lion King opened, Mm -hmm. which... Kind of shows the confidence that Disney had in their movies there back in the early 80s. Not I mean, so early 90s. So now. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah. I mean. That was right. It thing ran for uh, all the way until 2002 even. Um, the Legend of Lion King was a stage performance retelling the story of the Lion King using life-size puppets that Disney called Humanimals. Humanimals, yeah. yeah you remember, remember that. that? Yeah, I do remember that. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, it was in the guide. It was in the guide thing. Yeah, Humanimals, what, I thought. What's a Humanimal? Human animals. Yes. Humanimals. I mean, I get the combination, but I mean, are they like... Well, it, you, well you know uh, Finding Nemo? Oh, like when they do the stick. And it's kind of like that, and it's also kind of like Lion King on Broadway. Let me, let me give them yeah. this data. This may yeah. make a little bit more oh, sense. I'm sorry. Like, oh, yeah. You jumped ahead because yeah. I was just like, humanimal. I've heard of some yeah. crazy let, stuff. Let me but. describe to you exactly what it takes to operate these, and then you might understand the fusion between human and animal. I love fusion. All right. To give you a sense of scale, Simba required five people to operate the puppet. The Mufasa Disney Humanimal was six feet high, measured seven feet long from tail to tip, and was perched upon an 18-foot pride rock that rose up from below the stage. Yeah, that's awesome. All the characters in the show, save Rafiki, were performed by puppeteers underneath the stage yeah. that would operate the puppets. Mm-hmm. They were like in this pit that they would run around in, and they'd be trying not to bump into one another, and they'd be operating these huge oh, like six, it's, seven yeah. feet long It's up puppets. in the air, so whatever's right. extended yeah. from them on the ground. So, right? so if you take Nemo now, but you don't see the humans, yes. it's basically that. Rafiki was actually an actor who was in a suit, just to kind of, again, give you a sense of scale. I mean, you got a human actor in a suit interacting with these puppets, and it all has to look like it's in scale. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have Rafiki towering over these lady-bitty puppets. So that's why part of the reason why the puppets had to be big. And the, the Rafiki costume actually had, like, an articulated mouth that would move along with the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the stage for the show was 125 feet wide and was actually bigger than the seating area. Oh, wow. Just to make room for these giant sets. So the the stage was actually bigger than the area that the people could watch the show. Did in. that cut out 200 people there, too? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, they, they gutted the theater. I think they solved their capacity problem after that. So, yeah. Now, keep, so keep that in mind. You've got a team of puppeteers running around, strapped into these harnesses, trying not to bump into each other in this pit. Uh, below the stage you're operating these life-size puppets and each of these shows is 25 minutes long so you're talking about like two shows an hour 16 hours a day that's good cardio i mean yeah and this is a incidentally where they say that michael eisner came up with the idea of doing lion king as a broadway show yeah, um, yeah, yeah, these, yeah. That was that was that was exactly it. And that's yeah. probably when some of these people caught heart attacks running <laughs> all around here. All right. So, Legend of the Lion King closed on February twenty third, two thousand two, and was ultimately replaced by Duck Butt. Duck Butt. <laughs> <laughs> Magic. 
Yeah, some of the puppets, it, just FYI, some of the puppets from the, or I should say, humanimals from Legend of the Lion King got moved over to Disneyland Paris and they became part of their uh, Imaginique show. Oh, which is, oh yeah. Did well, you ever see that when you were over there? Or I did not there? see that. No, we didn't. We didn't make it to the uh, to the studio. Studio. Oh, oh wow. No well, well we we and French fry to them. Uh-huh. Good on them. So this is what brings us all back to opening day on the roof. Over at Disney's California Adventure, February eighth, two thousand one. Oh, I like with, how with you Tom Fitzgerald. You okay, yes. all around it. Like you took all us all the, the way back, took you on a magic journey, and we're all the way back to where we began. And Tom said, "Self." <laughs> and itself said, "What?" So, following the grand opening of Disney's California Adventure, instead of attending the media events and festivals that were scheduled throughout the day, a group of individuals convened on the roof of Disney's Grand Californian Hotel, overlooking the park. This group of people included Tom Fitzgerald, who I think we mentioned before. He was the executive vice president and senior creative executive for Walt Disney Imagineering. He's the one who had the idea for doing another, quote-unquote, Mickey show. George Scribner, an animator and director best known for directing Oliver and Company, and more germane to this story, uh, directing and producing Mickey's PhilharMagic. Oh, well, I was about to say. Yeah. Marion um, McLean was a visual effects producer on various attractions, including the 3D shows. It's Tough to be a Bug, Muppet Visions 3D. Uh, she did Soren, Ratatouille, Star Tours, Captain EO, and of course, Mickey's PhilharMagic. So she had quite an extensive knowledge of what it takes to make a, a 3D show. And lastly, Kevin Rafferty, a creative director uh, and show writer at Walt Disney Imagineering, who developed the story of Mickey's PhilharMagic and the guy from whom a lot of the information... You're about to hear comes from his book, Magic Journey, My Fantastical Walt Disney Imaginary Wait, Excuse me. Let me just say, what? <laughs> oh, my God. You about to pop like did. two seconds ago when he said I'm that. this building, and then it just topped off with Rafferty. I'm like, what? Yep. I wish I was a cuckold in the corner on that roof, man. <laughs> Holy this crap. Those right are, now, right? No, not in the studio, but on that roof. You saw you about to explode. No, yeah, I'm going to social distance in that roof. <laughs> that's, that's a heck of a bunch of names, sir. Well, I had to give you the resume of each and every single one of them. So you just understood the power, the thinking power. That's a lot. Up Did they say on opening day, it's like, hey, screw this. Meet me on the roof, brother. D- dude, I'm about ready to get into that. That's what the really? best work is yes. done is outside. So at this time, Tom Fitzgerald was taken over from Marty Sklar mm-hmm. at Imagineering. So as the vice president of theme park productions, Tom Fitzgerald and company produced just about every film ever made for the Disney parks. That included the Circle Vision shows. Uh, like if you saw the film like for the Hall of Presidents or any of the safety videos that you saw in any of the attractions, anything having to do with film, Tom and company, that's what their job was. So Tom kind of had a uh, proclivity for film-based attractions, if you will. Mm. So on that particular day, Tom was on hand because he had also developed an idea for an attraction that had just opened with Disney's California Adventure, which would be... Soaring? Soaring! That's absolutely right! (laughs) Soaring had just opened uh, for Disney's California Adventure, so that's why Tom was on hand. But he was so excited about getting to work on this new Mickey show that he bypassed sticking around, listening to the guest comments and criticisms of Soren, and he shuffled the other three Imagineers up to the roof where they gathered under the shaven umbrella and began to brainstorm what a Mickey Mouse review part two could look like. Good Lord, man. I can think of like... 
hey, Tom, don't you want to see how your thing does? It's like, nah, I know it's going to be awesome. Let's go to the roof. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> how about that? To the roof. <laughs> That's how confidence. I mean. That's confidence. It's still rolling. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to like it. Even though they changed it to soaring around the world, it still came back to soaring. It's still now yeah. pouring over California again. Right. That was a different thing in this time as far as soaring was concerned, it right? Was, it was. Right? Yeah. Because it was a whole new deal. It's like, has anybody seen that before? No. Okay, it's going to work. Let's move on to the next big thing. Director set. Yeah. Arguably, it was probably the best attraction on opening day. It was so innovative. I mean, the um, roller coaster was just a roller coaster. That I think that was. Yeah, you're probably right. That yeah. was, it was. It was so new. Yes, it was. It, that had never been done. Yeah, you'd never felt that before. No, I mean, yeah, you've done uh, immersive, huge 360, but not immersive like that. That was no. the first time they did. I mean, Horizons had the big, huge, whatever IMAX level screens, but they never put you in the movie like that. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, IMAX yeah. was kind of new back then. It was. Yeah, it that's was true. And then they took it to a different level. And the sound and everything like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. people love that experience. So they went to the roof. They are on the roof. Up on the he said, roof. I knew my creation's going to be awesome, but I got something to talk to you guys about. Right. Is that what he's saying? That's, he took them all up there. It's like, let's get this thing started. I'm so eager to get working on this. They got in his zone, man. And by the end of the day, they had landed not only on a solid attraction idea for the theater, but they had already pinned out the entire opening sequence for the show. Really? Yes. And so what they dreamed up is about as follows. The guests would sit down and put on their 3D opera glasses. You know, like, because they don't call them, like, only, no. I think okay. only... Um, bug eyes, opera glasses. Muppet Vision calls them 3D glasses. But Yeah, yeah, because they created Muppet Vision. It's Muppet Vision 3D glasses. Right, so those are the only ones I know that call it 3D glasses. Like, even the Honey, even, I Shrunk the Kid were like safety, safety goggles. goggles. Yes, yeah. yes. That's exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah, they, uh, they would put on their 3D opera glasses. Then the curtain would rise to reveal that just, there's no musicians. All you see is a pile of abandoned musical instruments. So at a loss for what to do, Maestro Mickey would then whistle to someone off stage to help him. So keep in mind, this is prior to the idea of them using Sorcerer Mickey in his hat as the source of the magic that brings everything to life. life. Yeah, okay. So but from behind the audience, a magical little light would suddenly appear that traces all along the theater wall, sideways, and then boom, up to the stage. And then the glowing light would then fly over all the instruments, showering them with dust, and the guests would watch as these instruments begin to come to life. Now, who could it be? Oh, Tink. 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 Tink brought him to life. The glow would be none other than Tinkerbell. She would fly right up to the guest face and give the audience a wink and make another pass or two over the orchestra as Mickey begins to conduct the overture. However, Tink accidentally showers the instruments and Mickey with a little bit too much pixie dust, causing the musical notes to fly off the page. The instruments would start playing faster and faster until they like work themselves up into a frenzy and begin to start whirling around the theater. The whirlwind of enchanted musical instruments, as well as our conductor Mickey, blow by us as Tinkerbell tries desperately but unsuccessfully to get things under control. The orchestra would then turn on Tink and then start chasing her as well until she gets swallowed by the tuba, which then turns and swallows the guests as well. The tuba swallows us. Okay. okay. Yeah, like kind of like it happens in the movie. Once yeah, yeah, it swallows yeah. Donald, it swallows us. Yes, yes. And okay. now you're left in total darkness, and what does the audience see? But Eyes. <laughs> no. Oh, not in this point. Yeah. A match being lit. And the flame oh, from it lights right. Lumiere's wick. And next thing you know, it's the uh, guests. Be- so that's how they had the entire opening scene laid out. It's just how they got there. It had nothing to do with Donald. It was all Pixie Tinkerbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So with that, the four artists ended their afternoon atop the Grand Californian with a great start, but still a lot of work left to do. And they regrouped in Glendale, the home of Walt Disney Imagineering. Wow. And that's when they began to flesh out the other areas that the show would then go to. That's so, got to be a fun talk to have had on that roof. There must oh, have yeah. been some, not a good booze and laughter involved. A in lot of long nice teas, I'm sure. Hell yeah, that's magic right there. <laughs> So they decided upon Ariel's Grotto, which you get in the film, the Pride Lands from the Lion King, which you get in the film, which also kind of pays tribute to the, mm, the previous the owner. The previous owner, right. Uh, you get Agrabah from Aladdin. Yep. London, which you also see there. Uh, but Pan. London was a little bit more involved. Uh, apparently it would be because now you're thinking, dealing with Tinkerbell. Well, it's Tink's home. Yeah. Oh, Tink's land, world. Right. And in yeah. London, guests would soar between buildings, tall ships, and down along the surface of the River Thames before swooping dramatically upwards towards the full moon. And there, silhouetted against the brilliant moon, the audience would see who they think to be Tinkerbell, Peter Pan, Michael, John, and Wendy, of course. But as the camera pulls closer, the silhouettes become a little bit more clearly defined, and you get to see that they're actually the enchanted instruments performing the score with Maestro Mickey still conducting in midair. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah. The movement of the instruments fills the frames and we become caught in the middle of the orchestra's biggest and most dramatic movement. Mickey motions with his baton and we all begin to fall. And on the final downbeat, boom, crash to the theater floor and the instruments and Mickey crash safely onto the stage. The last thing, of course, to fall is Tinkerbell, who comically drops down and lands on a cymbal and crashes. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Maestro Mickey would then turn to take his bow, and as the curtain drops, Tinkerbell flies out from underneath because she needs to take her final bow as well, and she would just fly out, obviously, in 3D, just beyond the guest noses. Then as she flew around, she'd shower the audience with pixie dust, where they, apparently, you could actually feel the pixie dust. I don't really? know how they would have pulled off the effect, but she's going to shower you with pixie dust that you could actually feel. And as the guests are sprinkled, they can actually feel their seats beginning, becoming uh, enchanted and beginning to rise. And Tinkerbell's pixie dust would then just wash over the entire theater, creating this just this huge, magical, sparkling effect. And she would then just fly underneath the closing curtain in the nick of time before everything just crashes to the floor and you are free to exit. I got to say, like, that's pretty awesome. But the only thing is, like, if there was a dad that took his kid but the wife stayed in the uh, in the hotel that would be tough to explain how you got pixie dust all over <laughs> that stripper glitter yeah <laughs> trust me it's a tough thing to explain you know what that that's tough so it's what, very tough what happened what do you think took tinkerbell out of that show more precisely who who took tinkerbell who? out of that? who 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 who, who? Who took Tink out of that show? Who? Who? Michael Eisner. There you go. Yeah. That's going to be a (laughs) recurring theme in this is just how involved Michael Eisner is on helping to take a good idea and make it so much better. I mean, I had to think of something like uh, Tinkerbell is not one of the Fab Five. Why are we going to do this? No, it wasn't even that. Really? Uh, okay. No, George Scribner, he pitched the idea for Mickey's Filler Magic to Michael Eisner, and he just thought the show was great. But he quickly tossed out the idea of using Tinkerbell because he suggested that Donald Duck, as the instigator throughout Phil Her Magic, would make the show more funny and more interesting than Tinkerbell ever could because Tink doesn't really talk. She's not necessarily really known for being her. a goof. She's, yeah, she's not known for causing issues. Yeah. And mischief. Yeah, yes. exactly. But she's like a little piece of like glint or something as opposed to a visual Piece spectacle. of lint? No, the glint, glint. Oh, glint. 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 It's like, oh, okay. I thought, I thought you'd... Yeah, no, I know. I, well, I you make up stuff see all the time. Tinkerbell. 
Well, you say like in the present, the original presentation, right? Like she comes out, she's like a little fleck of light. Yeah, that's how she comes out until she kind of gets in the audience faces and flies right in front of your nose, and you can really see her. Right, but there's like that weird disconnect. I would imagine that would be his point, as yeah. opposed to having Donald, who mm. is like, "All right, I do this all day." That's it. That's just a bad of no. It was make it funny. The duck's funny. Duck is funny. I, I, the duck knows funny. The duck is funny. Yeah. The duck? Yeah. Yeah. No. Right? You can't beat that. Yeah. No. T- it, Donald's temperament leads to funny. Yeah. Yeah. Tink doesn't Absolutely. really talk too much. That, you know what I'm saying? Don't so. talk, period. No. Well, no, unless no, you period. watch the uh, reimagined. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the, uh, the what, movies. Her and her fairy. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's yeah. cute and everything. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, no. Donald has the vocal stylings very well. Um, so anyway, the idea was improved, approved, and then went into production. However, of course, Tink still gets a cameo kicking off the she You does. Can Fly That's sequence. Right. So, yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. There's another little nice homage, yeah. if yeah, you yeah. will. Um, so, during production, Kevin Rafferty decided to try and capture the classic sound for Donald, because if you're going to use them, you might as well get that classic Donald sound right, in there right. by going through all of the existing recording sessions that were made throughout the decades of Donald's original voice, Clarence Ducky, Ducky Nash. Ducky, yeah, Nash. Yeah. 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 Clarence used to do uh, Donald. He was the original voice. He did them all throughout the 40s, 50s, and I believe even the 60s. And so he was able to require all of Donald's recording sessions, even the outtakes. He had like 900 individual recording sessions, including outtakes, and combed through each and every single one of them, pulling together the audio that could be used for Donald and Mickey's PhilharMagic. That's awesome. All counted, there are only three spoken lines by Donald in Mickey's PhilharMagic that were not performed by Clarence Ducky Nash. Hmm. They were performed by Donald's current voice, uh, Tony, Tony Insama. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. There was an unspoken musical bit where Donald hums along with Be Our Guest. Obviously, okay. that song didn't exist there, so that doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. But there were three new lines. Damn. One, where's my hat? Oh. That would make sense again. Okay, yeah, Why? yeah. Because he, yeah, he's looking for his hat. Yeah. Two, a pie? A pie, yeah. Because that scene where the pie is... Be Our Guest, yes. yeah. And then lastly, thank you. Because apparently in over 30 years of recorded dialogue, Donald never once said the words, thank you. That makes sense. Because <laughs> he doesn't have to. No, he's, he's just eternally angry. He's a sailor. <laughs> also worth noting uh, in the early 2000s that the traditional hand-drawn animation films just were not doing as well as they had in the past because the new CG animated Pixar films were just capturing the public's imagination. So seeing that the traditional characters were kind of looking a little bit old-fashioned, it was decided that this film would then remodel those traditional 2D Disney characters into CG form. Interesting. Okay. So, for the very first time, mm. Disney Imagineering worked with the folks at Walt Disney Feature Animation to completely remodel the classic Disney characters so that for the first time you would see Mickey and Donald and Ariel and Simba and all those people in CG form. Nice. And... That was a monumental task because no, there was never, uh, there was no structure to pull from on this, and to pull it off, Disney had to even bring in some of the original animators from the Disney films. One right off the top of the bat, like uh, Glenn Keane, who animated Ariel and the Little Mermaid, he went on there to work with the CG animation team to help recreate Ariel, and he was the original mm-hmm. animator. And then he enjoyed it so much that he went on to work on Disney's Tangled. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, the supervising animator of Lumiere, uh, Nick Ranieri, uh, he returned as well and helped uh, animate uh, Lumiere for that sequence. So, mm. uh, all in all, it took him like three years 
three years of production to figure out how to go ahead and get you would think like well it's a film you would think eh, it shouldn't be that hard to do no it took him three years to get all the technology right just to get this done and at the time and, and maybe even still to this day because i don't know that i know of another one that tops it but um the city of agrabah represents the largest 3d environment ever created by walt disney feature anim- animation oh wow. wow i mean think about yeah. when you get on that carpet you swoop and you fly in and all around agrabah that makes sense. I mean, you explore yeah. the whole thing. Think about how big that area that's, was. That's one of my favorite scenes, despite the jazz yeah. gang, but like that's one of my favorite scenes because yeah. that one is like you're all over the place. You're on a magic the, carpet ride. Yeah. yeah, it has the best sense of movement well, throughout that, that ride. Yeah, that makes sense because that's like one of the biggest seamless screens that they've had on property. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we're going to get to that in a minute. They had to cover the entire thing. So let's just run to the wrist real quick. So let's let's get to the cue itself, since we really kind of talked into uh, went into making the film mm-hmm. and what the original idea was for the film. Let's get into the cue and what they put in there. So there were a lot of posters advertising the concert halls, past productions, and performances. Notable, and uh, there's a lobby post in the lobby. You see the posters for Disney animated movies with musical themes. You got Toot Whistle, Plunk, and Boom. That was from 1953. Melody Time from 1948, and of course, Fantasia from 1940. But there are also several posters featuring the Disney characters. You see Hades from Hercules, and Hades sings torch songs. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Of course he does. Ariel and her sisters in Ariel's choral group, a must-see. The three caballeros, Jose Carioca, Panchito Pistolas, we say in those names a lot, and Donald Duck in Festival Mariachis, Una Fiesta Festiva. Fiesta. Una fiesta, festa va. And these were also the original performers in the Mickey Mouse Review, so they're, again, a homage to a previous attraction. Yes. You get Wheezy from Toy Story 2 and an evening... Oh, not from the Jeffersons. Yeah. No, okay. not her. Just check. Wheezy! Oh, it'd be fun to hear her sing with that voice. <laughs> that would be before she got her squeaker back, too. <laughs> uh, and that would be an evening with Wheezy now in its final squeak. Okay. And these just sound like Kevin Rafferty puns. I mean, yeah. they really do. Uh, the genie from Aladdin and genie sings the blues. Nice. Mm-hmm. She, she sings. Well, that's Will Smith right now. What's <laughs> going on in his life? But. Well, he, Blue Smith, you mean. Oh, uh, yeah. That's entanglement for you right there. The three little pigs and the big bad wolf and the Wolfgang trio performing straws, sticks, and bricks in B-flat. Also performers in the Mickey Mouse Review. Mm. And then... I Pagliacci, performed by Willie the Whale, which is easily the most obscure Disney reference in PhilharMagic, maybe even in the entire park. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Willie the Whale. No, that's not obscure when you said it. I don't know Will's <laughs> Willie or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a 1946... Uh, package film uh, called Make My Music. And if you don't know what a package film is, it's a, a series of flicks that kind of like, you know, had the same common theme, mm-hmm. but they were released as one big movie and then released out on, on, on oh, okay. film. Okay, okay. In this case, the theme was music and the short segment was called The Whale Who Wanted to Sing at the Met. And in the course of this film, it's just about a whale who can sing. At the Met. Uh, well, that's his dream to sing at the Met. And they keep hearing the singing. They're like, that's not really from a whale. That's not really from a whale. And finally, it's like, that's from a whale. Oh, my God. We need to have him come sing at the Met. And they invite Willie. And Willie's coming. And he's singing along as he's coming. And here comes, like, this harpooning ship (laughs) that sees Willie. And there's these three sailors that are trying to stop this one crazed Captain Ahab type from capturing that whale. But... I want that blubber. After two or three tries, finally he's successful and he kills Willie. What? In the middle of the song? And then next thing you know, you see Willie in heaven singing. (laughs) 
That's terrible. It's the craziest, most obscure reference to an awful, like, I can't say awful because it was a well-done film, but, I mean, it was such a depressing film by today's standards. R. Kelly got a better chance at a performance than Willie did. That's yeah. terrible. So he wanted to sing at the Met, but he never got to because he got killed. They harpooned him? Damn. Yes. That's rough, man. It yeah, was. I was about to say maybe they put some. They didn't put no salt in the water when he had to say. Damn, that's cold. <laughs> and the last thing uh, about the queue is, you know, since Mickey's Philharmonic is is themed like a, a music hall for like the local Philharmonic Orchestra, kind of like other Philharmonics, this one also relies on donations from wealthy philanthropists, right? Of course. So one such example is this large mural that is found in the queue featuring. Like it's like a variety of instruments and musical notes, and there's even like hidden Mickey's all throughout it. And according to a plaque at the end of the mural, this piece of art is entitled "Music on Parade" and was donated by Minnie Mouse, founding member. Wow! Yes, nice. so that's your cue for you. Uh, let's get to the theater. The theater itself contains 486 seats. Also, as Kevin mentioned earlier, for uh, Philharmonic, uh, Disney had to commission the largest seamless projection screen in the world. Amazing. I like it, that. Yeah, it's it's the most immersive wraparound screen uh, Disney's ever created. I don't know that anyone else has ever created anything quite like this. It measures 150 feet long and 28 feet high and stretches almost uh, 180 degrees, meaning it encompasses your entire line of sight, even your peripheral vision, which is something that you don't get on Soarin'. Right. Like if you're staring right. straight at the screen, but if you look a little bit to the left or right, you can see where the screen stops. Yeah. You, you really got to be turning your head to notice that when you're watching Phil Magic. Yeah, they attempted this with Hall of Presence, but Hall of Presence, as you know, is, is a seamed screen. Yes. You can tell it's a bunch of different screens. But right. No, this is this is seamless. It's a, uh, absolutely amazing. And it grows throughout the course of the film. It, it does. It looks as though it's one way, and then by the end of the... It's it's huge. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's too easy. No, okay. it's too easy. Go. Just, just go. Please. But it's a, it's a monument of science and technology. Yeah, because yes. it just exp- it expands as you go through the. Right. You know, you're focused on one thing, and then all of a sudden, it's like you're wrapped around uh, the the breadth of it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, very much. It's crisp all around. So for a screen that wide, what I found fascinating is that the way that they were able to pull off the 3D effects is that the 3D effects only really occur in the middle of the screen. Really. Yes. If you notice, I mean, the 3D effects are only, they're not happening with what's going off on the side. It's all about what's happening right in the center of the screen. Oh, your center so of vision. Interesting. Yeah, so they've concentrated the 3D effects in, in, into that. Oh. Like Ariel, when she throws all the, the jewels out and everything. Shoot, now what I want to do is I want to go there, watch it, take my glasses off, and see if I can see the stuff on the side easily without the glasses. Might be blurred, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, no, not blurred or shaky or, or two dimensional or you know two different things. That's mm-hmm. that's that's intriguing. Yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Also, there's a state of the art theater audio system that includes nine full behind the screen audio clusters, which are capable of creating three dimensional traveling sound throughout the show. Yeah. So. Uh, a good representation of that is think about it at the beginning of the show where Goofy is like, oh, no, I need to start to sh-. You hear Goofy moving around backstage and it's utterly convincing. The effect is incredible mm-hmm. where you think Goofy has just moved from one place to the other and you could follow him almost with your ears. So that's what they're talking about there. And, and that helps make the show a lot more believable. Lastly, there's an interactive lighting system that they use that was developed by Disney for Tokyo Disney Seas Resorts, and it made its U.S. debut in Mickey's Philharmagic. The attraction itself, though, 
there's no real reason to kind of get into it and break it down scene by yeah. scene. Yeah. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen Philhar Magic. We're not going to get into that, but let's talk about the gift shop real quick. Um, that's where you'll see Donald has broken through the wall. So if you remember at the end of Philhar Magic, Donald gets shot with a cannon through the wall of the back of the theater, and that's where you see the duck butt. Classic. Classic duck butt. All the duck butt. But Donald is able to scooch out of there and he falls downward and now you can see that he has fallen straight through into the gift shop and he's now he's in this tangled <laughs> mass of musical instruments and stuff and it, it's a, it's a really cool effect that you get to see back half of donald front half of donald it's a really cool effect no, it's, it's, it's brilliant no yeah. it's awesome i do love that because the first time you see it he's gone and then you know if you don't know to really look back until they hit the spotlight on him mm-hmm. on the butt you know, it's like that that adds that extra, how you say, uh, the extra oomph. You're like, oh, wow, the show's over. But bam, this extra show. Like, uh, that, I always get a kick out of that. Well, the thing is, like, if you don't think to look back there, you'll never know it's there. Exactly. You know, and then when all it takes is one person look and laugh, and then everybody starts looking, it's like, ah. It's <laughs> literally a B-side. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's a B-side. And when you go into the gift shop and you see him fall into the, you know, he fell through. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah. It's like watching Muppet Vision 3D, where I've heard a couple of people were like, I didn't realize there was an animatronic Swedish chef at the back of the theater. Yeah, they missed the whole... <laughs> that's my favorite part between him and the penguins. You're right. How they fight. It's you amazing. hear the sounds, but you're like, okay, well, it's just uh, yeah. the audio of the theater. Your, your attention's still on the screen, but if you turn around and look, yeah, there's an audio animatronic Swedish chef yeah. and a cannon. He rolls out a cannon, literally. Yes. Yeah, that's what they're reacting to. Yes. Uh, so... Anyway, well, I'm uh, sure we'll cover that when we get to Muppet, Muppet Vision, Vision 3D. 3D. Absolutely, yeah. Down the road. Also, if you make a note of, of noticing, if you look along the edge of the walls of the gift shop, you'll see musical notes, and, and these musical notes make up the sheet music of the Sorcerer's Apprentice mm. from Disney's Fantasia. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a little bit uh, of a cool little piece of trivia. Um, also, you can see that even the tops of the columns in the merchandise racks are adorned with scrolls from like a violin or, you know, like the, the, yeah. the top of it, like from a yes. bass instrument and whatnot. Yes. All the columns are decorated like that. So the gift shop keeps that theme going. Plus, you get the Conductor Mickey figure in there like we were talking about before. Which is amazing. I actually bought a Conductor Mickey big fig mm-hmm. for one of my former band directors when I was in school. Oh, really? Gift. Yeah. I was gra- as me and my wife were graduating and so we figured we gifted him. It's just awesome. It's, it's beautiful. I wish I would have bought one for myself too. <laughs> but, That's uh, a sweet yeah. thing you did. Yeah. But maybe hopefully I can get one in the future but whatever. But I thought I would save this last piece here for Eli because uh, according to Jim Hill there used to be a scent no. that was released into the theater no. when <laughs> Aladdin and Jasmine flew by. Yes. Yeah. On their magical carpet. Mm. That smelled, coincidentally yeah. enough, like Jasmine. 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 Yes. Uh, because I guess that's meant to be her perfume or something. I guess like she's Jasmine, so her she would have a Jasmine-scented and perfume. Musk. Her musk. However, and again, this is according to Jim Hill, it turned out a lot of people were allergic to the scent, and a few early showings were disrupted by sneezing guests before the Imagineers finally pulled the aroma from the show. So it apparently seems that some people are allergic to Jasmine. Well, Jasmine's love is not for everyone. That's all I'm saying. You got to be a strong man to love Jasmine. So, is it actual Jasmine that they use? Because, or is it like maybe a mental thing that they're, because I mean, if 
if it's just the smell of jasmine, then it's mental, right? But if it's actual jasmine the, that was used, then I could see where you'd be allergic to it, right? It can't be mental. Well, I guess unless you're like, oh my god, that's jasmine, and your brain automatically connects it and says, I'm allergic, and like then peanuts you on the ground, yeah, like yeah, on the ground. Right. okay. Could be. Maybe like a like a peanut smell doesn't contain peanuts. Sure. So if you're allergic to peanuts, you should be able to. I don't know. What's I'm that? They call it psychosomatic reactions. Psychosomatic. Yeah. Yeah. This psycho. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. You have to email Jim Hill on that one. I, yeah, I yeah, just saw that story. That's the only place I've ever saw that story reported. I just want to say, there's a picture where I took with Jasmine, the cast member, that one time we went to Disney World, and I told Aladdin and the genie to move out the way I'm taking this picture alone. Mm-hmm. I never get allergic when I walk by that photo. I'm just saying that. But you got a strong constitution. That's it. All the constitution. <laughs> Freedom for the people. Did you pull a Biden and sniff her hair? Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. No, I only had five minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to work with what I got. There's only one welt that grows on me. Yeah, that's it. And that's not real hair, anyway. <laughs> that's good so, enough for me. Yeah. That, was, that was in the storage unit overnight. I almost kicked my child out because she took the picture where I didn't know where it was. That's a, dis- a different Disney <laughs> story for another day. But I was like, Where's my picture? Me and Jasmine. Oh, I don't know. He's shifting. I'm like, Look. Put that up now. That's right. That hair was in costuming. Do <laughs> you understand? Like, I get it. I'm not allergic to Jasmine, but the love for Jasmine is so deep. I'm about to send my child out the house. Go mm, ahead, sir. Smells like bounty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so fresh. Yes. Uh, so there you go. That's the history of wow. Mickey's Phil Her Magic. Wow. wow. That's a lot to oh, think that's amazing. that yeah. on a rooftop that such a huge thing could be conceived with such technology and, and it's a well I mean you know Mickey Mouse on a napkin <laughs> <laughs> on a train ride yeah it's well, possible well I mean but like you know Phil and Magic is actually one of those things where like um, whenever I do go to Disney World I'm like I, I want to see it like I'm I'm comfortable I love that show going yeah. there mm-hmm. and I, I always enjoy it I, I always like to see like if there's something because it's one of those things you see it multiple times and you're like, man, that happened so quick. I don't know what I just saw. Right. And so then, like, I, I see it again and again. And, like, yeah, it's one of those favorite things. I could kind of chill. I'm not scared to death. But I do appreciate the art and the technology that's used. Like, whenever, like, the, I remember the first time when Ariel, again, throws out all the jewels. And it's like, oh, yeah. Who yeah. doesn't, like, at least once? Oh, let me just try Just it. let me get it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, the you know, like, the perspective, the foreshortening in that. And it's like, it's right in your face. And, yeah. like, I remember the first time I saw that show, I was just like, wow. And I wasn't even tripping on anything. It was just, that was magic to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you did that. Like, uh, And then, like, like again, the talk about duck butt, keeping that, if we, if I had to keep some, because that's what we talked about that one mm-hmm. time, totally on board with that. Cause it's well known that that's your favorite part of that show. I would, yeah. totally, I would totally steal that. And, and my, mine, too. I think that's an incredible detail that they decided to include. Yeah. And a lot of people may miss it, you know, unless you pay attention to what people are looking at when you leave. Well, that's right. That's it. Um, well, Chris Turner did the uh, concept artwork for the duck butt. I actually found that. <laughs> so, no, no kidding. Yes. What, that, going through the wall? Yes. What, you can see his butt <laughs> with with the curtain. I mean, because obviously like, what happens is, is that there's a curtain there, and then when you look back, you can see the butt, and then when he goes through, the curtain, the two little pieces of curtain just rise up 
together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was storyboarded by Alex Mann, and it was um, concept art was done by Chris Turner. I'm, I would not be surprised if it's a Kevin Rafferty gag, but he didn't say anything about it in his book. I emailed um, Alex Mann, I emailed Chris Turner about it. Neither one of them said anything about it, so. I don't know that there's a compelling story behind the duck butt gag other than that it was just a funny thing to do. Well, just in case they Brilliant. reply back to you because I mean, a lot of stuff is going on now. Sure, currently. sure. You know, can you please update us? If I they will update to say y'all on the, Yes, no, this, there will be a breaking news alert. I would like to know the origin of duck butt if I can. It's, I love it because it's like the post-show kind of experience when you leave Muppet Vision 3D with a destroyed theater. The theater, yeah. yeah. And, and this one you leave with a duck butt and then you hear him fall. Yeah. You know, and then there he is in the gift shop it's mm-hmm. just it's like an incredible what fourth act it's very yeah it's yeah. very immersive like yeah, that whole thing. set and, and then again it's a good tie into all of the like you said originally mm-hmm. it was all the big what did you what do you say it was like the silver age golden age golden i think it was the silver age is when you get yeah. into like the 90s of the, yeah, the yeah. 90s. yeah the resurgence yeah because right. that's i know it's a resurgence Right, because that's mainly with the the. I mean, don't get me wrong. You get Fantasia in there. You get Peter Pan in there. But mm-hmm. um, get Aladdin. Really, it's Aladdin. Uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast. And um, Be- uh, yeah, Beauty and Beast. Oh, Lion King. Yeah, Lion King. Yes. Oh yeah, that's always weird too yeah. with uh, with Simba with the leaves coming mm-hmm. out. Oh look again. Never tripping when I see it, but. That does weird me out. That yeah. that does a, a lion's head coming out of a bunch of flower petals. Yeah, that's kind of and the giraffe's kind of closing in on Donald, and he kind of gets <laughs> sandwiched in there, and it's just his head is sticking out. It really is, you know. Like a lot of people talk about updating Philhar Magic, and yeah, you know, I guess I could see that if you're a, a, a local, maybe, mm-hmm. and you go to the park like every other weekend. Well, not not anymore. Uh, but as somebody who only gets over there like two or three times a year. I'm fine with them just leaving it the way it is. I, I am too. I, I, I don't need the Pixar stuff in there, or right? Even Tiana in there. You know, I say that. I, I don't I'm need cool into the unknown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm fine with things the way they are, and um, maybe Ooh. one day. But I mean, I think it's just it's a great snap. It, it, it's like Muppet Vision 3D. What's so great about those films is when, like, you're a Disney fan, you kind of become a little bit snobbish about this stuff, and you're like, "Oh, that stuff is old." Watch it with somebody who's never seen it before. Whenever I've gone in there with a friend, uh, like when we went with Eddie and his children, and they hadn't seen Muppet Vision 3D before, and they hadn't seen um, Philhar Magic before, or they'd seen it, or they were too young to remember it, whatever the case was, the eyes are just bugging out. I yeah, mean, they're yeah, just yeah. completely enthralled and, and fascinated. Should. Yeah. Some things do need to be left to be what they are. I mean, if you can prove elements of it, that's, that's one thing. It's like Haunted Mansion. You can add one or two elements in it, but you're not subtracting. Well, if you do a new 3D film, you almost... I mean, unless you're adding a new element of the film in with Donald, I guess. No, uh, you're crapping on it. Yeah, I don't know about crapping on it, but I mean... No, you're crapping on it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm curious. Like, I, I don't know if you're going to cover it, Honey, I Shrunk the audience, but was that the first 4D experience in the parks i want to say yes but i i I don't know that's a good question um i would like so muppet vision was 91 yeah 91 92 they were working on that Mm -hmm. like because i I read on on like a lot of the research you're like you know uh philhar magic represents the first 3d incarnations of mickey and minnie and blah 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 blah. i'm like i don't know about that because 1991 92 I, i can't remember exactly when muppet vision opened but it was one of those two dates. There's a 3D Mickey at the end of that film. 
Oh, Waldo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Waldo oh, yeah. turns into Mickey. Yeah. And that's that's right. a 3D representation of Mickey, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I'm, it may be a little while since I've seen it, but... I, so maybe I, that I was the first one, because I just looked it up, and Honey opened it, what, 98? Or, I'm sorry, 94. 94. So then 94. it would have been Muppets, yeah. Yeah, it would have been Muppets, sure. yeah. Interesting. So really quick, would you consider, now that, just to kind of wrap up, like, a whole bunch of stuff that we've talked about in this particular episode... Now that all of these rides are, uh, these different rides are going away, and I'm totally fine with, you know, Hot Dog Breath going away, um, would you consider Dallas Phil- Feel Her Magic to be the new classic? No, first, well, it, it, first yeah. and foremost, you said it just right, because that is another misnomer. They call it Mickey's Feel Her Magic, but really it's a Donald show. Yeah, yeah, Donald stars in it, yeah. but it's Mickey's Feel Her Magic. I know yeah. I got kind of crossed up, because you you taking me back, yeah. you're messing my mind right Which kind of works, because it's like, you know, you're expecting Mickey, but then it's like, oh, here comes Donald screwing everything Look, up. Right. Yeah, Donald steals the show. Yeah. yeah, and then Mickey saves the day at the very or end. Or messes up the show, if you want to think of but it like that. But there's not too yeah. many Donald attraction so to speak if you're a donald duck fan you don't get too much love from donald past this one well right? but same with mickey you could say the same thing about mickey that's what was so big about uh mickey Minnie's well, runaway railway yeah. right yeah so i mean no that that's that was the idea and that was the idea behind this attraction is that they were just well the mickey mouse review attraction originally which spawned this one which is that where's mickey in the parks you know that's that's i mean pirates are great but what does it have to do with disney it's almost like again the IP thinking like it would, they kind of threw in you know like the little dark rides like yeah, Alice yeah, in Wonderland yeah. and you know Mr. Toad and everything like that to kind of appeal to hardcore Disney fans but really the, the attractions that they spent their money on were Pirates of the Caribbean Haunted Mansion uh, Space Mountain you know, Matterhorn things mm-hmm. that really didn't have roots in Disney animation history and that's when this guy came, kind of came along and was like let's get back to what started this all what would you know what, where this all came from and who can we put in here well Mickey of course Mickey so, but would you consider this now again in lieu of the different things that are going away? Would this be oh, like choppable? What well, I consider this? I know. No, 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 not choppable. I mean, you, we could throw that out there if you want. But would you consider this to be a new classic? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, yes, I, I think it's a new classic. Having said that, it's kind of interesting that we really you don't see them doing these 4D shows anymore. I mean, Epcot's been without one. I mean. Technically, I guess you could count Thorin as kind of, but you don't wear in the glasses. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of a four D element where you get smells. Or and, would you count? Uh, what was that? Panda flights of passage as one of those? No, nah, I count I count that as like an arcade game where you ride the motorbike. It's so cool. They have the four D scents and this water and stuff. But it's not combined with a ride. Then you would have to include Star Tours, where you have the three D glasses right, and the right. bumps and the shakes and everything like that. But maybe or not did those smell. two paths meet? You think the four D and the ride, the the simulation attraction? I think the simulation and the four D is kind of like the evolution of it. But unfortunately, what I don't like about those simulator attractions is that's that's going to be what gets you sick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I like yeah, the elements yeah. of being able to sit in a theater and there are things happening and you just don't see them making that anymore no, yeah. That's true, yeah well like you say like say like a smuggler's run right like that's something where you're staring direct at the screen it's interactive but there's nothing like once the show is over there's no aftermath and I think that's what makes this attraction so much fun is like you don't see it coming with the duck butt because it continued the story. Uh, yeah, the, right. It's, it's like, like an epilogue for exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, like when he when Danny gets to Muppet Vision and stuff like that, you're gonna see that kind of extra level of storytelling. Where it's like, hey, the lights are on. Mm-hmm. You think the ride's over? You think the story's over? No, it's not. There's a butt for you right there. Check it well, out. In the but back. think yeah. about it. When you leave Muppet Vision, all of a sudden you're like, holy. Shit. 
the theater's destroyed. <laughs> like, you don't realize, like, right. you see it happening and there's explosions and everything's going on, but when you get up to exit, you really it's see really the destroyed, holes yeah. in the theater and it's like, whoa, and there's a <laughs> Swedish chef behind you and, and it's kind of cool and you get the same impression, I think, with A Bug's Life. We're like, now, please remain seated while all the maggots oh, and cockroaches. I, I love that part. I love that, oh, I love that yeah, part, yeah. But the first time, I was like, ah, did that go in my pants? I, you know. <laughs> no, I, I love it because all the people, the puritanic people, are like, ooh, yeah, so weird. It's, it's like, oh, well, you probably like it. It's the initial reaction. You probably like You like it up your butt. No, it's a, <laughs> it is the thing where, like, again, to kind of put it all together, yeah, when you get that part where these particular attractions have that thing in the aftermath where you're like, oh, here's that last gag before you go. Like, that's cool. Uh, um, yeah. Again, like the other rides, like you said, Star Tours and whatnot, they're you know they're cool for what they are, but it's like straightforward. The ride's over, boom, get off the bike and go. Yeah, I, I'm I'm tearing ass out of the theater when Star Tours is. Uh, they, it always ends at the right moment where I'm just about to. I'm going to be sick mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it ends at the exact right. Mo- Same thing with Rock and Roller Coaster. As soon as you get there, you're like, oh, cool, get me the hell out of here. Well, like Flights of Passage, like you mentioned that. Before. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, like that was another the, one. That was a that was a cool experience for what it was. But then once you know what you were done out there like that's it it wasn't like there was one of those flying creatures like when you walked out the door like Rah! you know like there was nothing else like, there's no post show or epilogue as right yeah, it's yeah. not that finished conclusion like yeah you finished the ride but you're not done with the experience we got one last thing for you and I think that is what makes this particular attraction stick out I wonder yeah. why they're doing that I think well, that's a good idea it, it is it, won't pay for it. it's as, as we say in New Orleans it's Langyap yeah, yeah, a little it, something extra. A little something extra that you weren't expecting that's like, oh, wow, look at that. And and those little touches make things better as opposed to, like you said, but Flight of Passage, when you land on that rock and you're like, and scene, and yeah, finally yeah. get me off of this thing. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and here's, here's the gift shop, buy a t-shirt, you right. know? Right. Uh, but again, so, so is this the new classic? I mean, we don't have uh, something like this. They're wiping out stuff. I mean, this is something I like as a you yeah. know from when I first went. It does stick to me. It's one of those few attractions that do. I think every one of those 4D shows are brilliant, and, and, and I'm going to include Honey I Shrunk the Audience, even though it's my least favorite of the group. Um, yeah, it's like a grandfather. You, you got to give because yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your granddaddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it was very Respect. well yeah. done. I felt because I, I do believe that that there's something to be said for that attraction. Having said that, when you say is, is it the new classic, I would say no, because a they're not producing those kind of attractions anymore, and b there's nothing new about it. I mean, in fact, these are all attractions that have one time or another has have either been cut. In the case of Honey, I, I Shrunk the Audience, and you know, you consistently hear talks of them changing out. Mickey's Fill Her Magic with a newer movie. You consistently hear talks about them doing away with Muppet Vision. They got rid of it over at um, over in California. Yeah. So, I mean, that's always going to be a possibility is that, oh, it's too old, let's move on. And when it's a film-based attraction, those are the easier ones to move on from because mm-hmm. you don't have to reskin a bunch of animatronics or do anything like that. So, do I think it's a, a classic? I, 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 to me, they're classics, but I don't think to Disney they are. Yeah, I think the attraction as a whole is a classic, but I even furthermore, I think each of the properties that they represented in the attraction are classics now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt. Every one of those properties that are in there are, are classic Disney. You, you think of Disney when you see those things. 
Um, is it subject to replacement? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I accept that fact. Not that I want to. I like Mickey's Filler Magic like it is, but it, what do I see them replacing it at some point? Yeah, of course. I see them doing that. Because to Danny's point, yeah, it's the easiest to replace. I'll never go back to Disney again right now. If they take that out, I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee, what do you think? I really hope that it never goes away. I could see that it maybe getting updated and, you know, new movies and things like that. So I think that's inevitable, but um, they just don't do rides or they just don't do attractions like this anymore anywhere. I, and, you're right. Um, yeah, you you're know, right. it's, it's, that's the best part about Disney is that it's not just roller coasters and, you know, going high and going fast. Um, yeah. That that's, it's really a little something for everyone and not everyone wants to, you know, go upside down. And this is, you know, when we first, um, our very first trip, my wife was pregnant with my old, with my youngest. And so this is the kind of stuff that she could do. She couldn't get on the roller coasters. And so this was what she would go do uh, when we got on, the, you know, uh, big thunder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I know it's never going to be the same original because it, it does have to get updated. But again, I hope it just doesn't go away, away, especially again, in these times, where you know the, the capacity is cut in half, and you know things of that nature. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you you said it very well, Lee. Um, let me ask you this, Lee, real quick. Uh, so Kevin and Eli have both said that Mickey's Philhar Magic is their favorite. Obviously, Muppet Vision 3D is mine. What is your favorite 3D show over there? If I had to choose Gun to the Head, I'd go with Muppets, but it would be very close. Um, I, I like just Muppets. I like the puns and I like the jokes and I like the the little. And I love the Muppet movie, original movie as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wait, you said close, close against what? Against Philhar Magic. Oh, okay. So Philhar Magic and Muppet Vision Thief for you are very close. Yeah, one and, and okay. two. But Ahead of all the other ones. Know. Okay, I got you. I got for you. sure. Yeah, one of these days, okay, so maybe that's the natural progression of this is that we do the behind the scenes on Philhar Magic, Tough to be a Bug, Muppet Vision 3D, and then we do the quest for the best. And we each assign a, a, a grade for each and every story. one of them, and we try and figure out which one was the best. Show. I think that works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm game with that. For Challenge. Sure. Well, um, weekends, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you think about our historical discussion about this attraction. Uh, send us your favorite moments. Uh, send up your favorite facts about this attraction, and we're about to tell you how to do that in just a little bit. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that discussion. If you want to learn more about us, magicare.com is the way to go. There you'll find our social media links, past episodes, and more. You can also get in touch with us through the following ways to share your opinion. You can shoot us an email at show at magicare.com. You can leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe widget on our homepage, or you can call us or send us a text message. Yes, I did say text message at 1815-a-weekend. That is 1815 Philharmo Weekend. <laughs> 669-4226. And of course, we got a couple of guys to do things outside of the podcast. First of all, we got Eli. Hey, Rob Lightfeld here. Deadpool, Cable, X-Force, Domino, Marvel Comics, Image Comics, all of it. You guys, what is up? Eli Ivory. What a great name. Eli Ivory, comic guru. I'm here to talk about you. I am here to say, check out IvoryComics.com. That's right, you. Check out IvoryComics.com. I-V-O-R-Y-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. 
if you're not doing that, you're missing out. You're missing out. Uh, the Savages comic cannot be beat, cannot be surpassed. You need to check it out. Experience it for yourself. And you know the story. It's all about the glory. Congrats to you and all the magic that you're making with your Ivory Comics. Eli Ivory, comic book guru. Check out IvoryComics.com. Comic book guru. Eli Ivory. The whole package. Deadpool said to. Do it. IvoryComics.com. Right now. Lightfield out. And Eli, if they want to chat with you on social media, what you got, sir? Yeah, that's the best challenge ever accomplished. Uh, you could go to the site and you could always catch a link to this podcast. You never miss a beat. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, Eli Jiry, always there. Project Gage has a Facebook page, so check that out. Instagram, you have your 504 right there. And of course, on Twitter, I can be found at Hancock10166. So you heard Rock. That man's a comic legend. I, I mean, you know, that man <laughs> That boy good. That boy real good. Real good. Real good. Good, good. Uh, you know the story. It's all about the glory. So there you go. IvoryComics.com. You get all the love. It's all synergy right here. There you go. And guys, look, if you want to book a vacation to go to any of the Disney properties, maybe you want to go to Walt Disney World and hang out with Stephen Downs. Uh, maybe if you follow us on Facebook or on, you can find out uh, we have our Downs on the Grounds coming back with a vengeance. As he's in the parks, you might have seen some of the videos today. We are recording this on Saturday the 18th. Uh, but if you're not, make sure that you follow us so that you can you know, catch up with all the things. But look, if you want to go down there and hang out with Steven, maybe even get a pen or two, you can do book a vacation with Lee. Lee, tell him how to do this. All right, I'd be happy to. But before that, I have a, a joke for Lillian, Danny, since we had a... Oh, you want me to go get day. her? No, no, I, I can, you can just relay the joke. If like. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously, she's inside. I can go get her. I got a joke for her, and it has to do with the show, too. All right, hold on, hold on. I'm going to go get her. Hi. Hi. Hey, friend. How's it going? Good. Good. I told you, Dad, I had a joke for you, and it has to do with the show. (laughs) He told me. So, you ready? Yeah, I guess so. Why do do ducks have feathers? I don't know. To cover their butt quacks. Oh, that's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) That's hilarious. You got a hilarious from her, man. Look at that. Yes, I win. Yeah. Maybe. 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 <laughs> well, Eli like, hasn't won yet, unfortunately. I'm not uh, really, you couldn't all be with this? Like, we, I haven't competed yet. I'm, just, I'm not competing yet. Then maybe you should. Oh, for your for you to crack a joke? Every week you're competing, sir. Apparently so. Yeah. This is my least, life. And Lee just bumped it up again. Another love. Fine, fine, hey, fine. Right. Let me go back into my cave and figure something out. <laughs> well, thank you, Lily. Thank you, Lily. You're yes, welcome. Appreciate it. Good to hear your voice again on the show, guys. So, Lee, if you want to continue telling them how to book a vacation with you. I didn't know you were keeping count, though, Lily. I really didn't. <laughs> It's a cold house, boy. Yeah. All right. Just give me a call at 832-431-1621. That's 832-POO-KAZOO. 832-P-O-O-K-Z-O. Good Lord. Poo-Kazoo. 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 Uh, you can... Not the zoo. Chikaboo. Not the zoo. Not the zoo. Poo-Kazoo. Not the Tuma. Not the Zuma. You can, uh, you can email me at lee at com. Facebook. You can find me at facebook.com slash lost if you could travel. That's L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A travel. Instagram, I've got uh, you got a friend in Lee Travel. And if you do any of that, we'll get you hooked up and booked up with no. Hasselvika!
In addition, there are so many ways to support the show as a whole. You can find them all on our website, magicourway.com. Any way in which you can support the show is deeply appreciated. We also want to take a second and thank you for being a loyal listener, and we love hearing from our listeners. All opinions are always welcome on the Magic Array podcast, so make sure you get in touch with us today. So, Mohicans, ladies and gentlemen, we say Quaharini. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. Magic out. I have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast, but I still somehow end up with tacos. Duck butt. Moeekins! Hey, this is Jane from MadHatterRadio.net. If you love Disney Park Audio like my family and I do, please listen to MadHatterRadio.net for park audio music 24 hours a day. (laughs) 